Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tapping In. I'm Chanseem, one of your hosts for today's episode, an interview with Tom Kirsten. Mr. Kirsten is a psychotherapist and a regular guest expert on Fox News and The Today Show, providing insight and advice on mental health, parenting, family, education, and wellness. He is also the author of Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency and Raising Healthy Teenagers, Equipping Your Child to Navigate the Pitfalls and Dangers of Teen Life. This episode will discuss the impacts and implications of social media on teen mental health and how to be a healthier user and consumer of content. My name is Zoe, and I'm very excited to be here today with Mr. Tom Kirsting. So, Mr. Kirsting, um, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional background? Yes, thanks, Zoe. So, I am a licensed psychotherapist. I have a private practice in northern New Jersey, um, and I lecture throughout the country, and I'm the author of uh, two popular books, uh, Disconnected and Raising Healthy Teenagers. And I've been on a mission for many years, uh, particularly you know, in my lectures to reach as many parents and kids as I possibly could in, the, in this digital age and everything that we see happening and uh, do a lot of media, you know, related to this topic and mental health. And it's my passion just to get out there and, mm-hmm. you know, help as many people as possible. So the first question I want to ask you is, what about your profession in psychotherapy has changed since the rise in social media? Well, the difference that's changed in my profession is I went from being busy <laughs> to, be, yeah. to being beyond busy. Yes. Um and, you know, like when I talk about my lectures, all the anxiety and the depression, all the things that we're seeing that, you know, prompts people to bring their kids in for therapy, you know, really started, the majority of the stuff started in 2012. And that's when when smartphones became mainstream. So you look at all the data going back to that time and, you know, the phones are, that's where our kids are living. That's where their brains are all day. And it's shaping their thoughts, right? And their emotions. And, um, you know, as a result, we have these these major problems, this epidemic in our society. Mm-hmm. So what's the most surprising thing that you've learned about social media usage in teenagers? The most surprising or statistic. Thing. Or- yeah. Um, oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a shocking one. Ready? Just to talk about, um, you know, the most shocking thing I've seen was um, a couple of years ago, there were scores of teenage girls, okay, that were developing fine motor tics, right, similar to somebody that has Tourette syndrome. So the parents would bring them to their doctors, and none of these girls had um, Tourette syndrome. So the doctors were sort of kind of dumbfounded, trying to figure out what is going on here, right? So they gathered all their evidence in the United States and in some countries in Europe to try to figure out what the common denominator was. And in each case, all of these girls, I think it was hundreds or thousands of them, um, was spending countless hours watching TikTok videos of people with Tourette syndrome. So essentially, just from doing that, their brain began to mimic what they were seeing on that screen. That's how the brain works. Whatever we're, whatever we are digesting over and over again shapes, you know, our brain basically and our thoughts and our behaviors. Yeah, one thing I've like really noticed in myself, my friends, and that like I've been thinking about a lot is like so many of my opinions are stuff I see on social media, not even that I've thought for myself. And it's like there's so much less room for like self determination. So I'm going, to, I'm going to share something with you, right? So there's a quote by a famous 19th century philosopher that goes like this. We are under the presumption that we are thinking, but in reality, we are being thought. Yeah. And what he means by being thought is that we're being controlled by our thought or our thoughts are being controlled for us instead of by us. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's also like 
thinking about the future, like when, you know, people in my generation are able to vote. It's like, what happens like when you don't have your own opinion or when you're in a job interview and your yeah. personality is... Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about this. So like, look at it like this, right? So let's say you and I were born on a deserted island, right? It was just ourselves. Maybe we had some one other person with us, right? What would we think? Would we even know what a podcast is? Would we know what a bottle of water is or a phone? So thought... You know, what our thoughts are or become is based on our experiences, right? So that's why I'm a big believer in the silence, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in silence and really doing, breathing and, and orchestrating our own thinking, right, in our own way and being able to, dedu- you know, to deduce, you know, what's real, what's misinformation, what's not, you know what I mean? So I, I really believe that in our society now, like one of the, one of the most lacking things is common sense. Yeah. And along, like one thing that I've done in my life is, and I suggest that so many people should try this, um, is that every morning I don't allow myself to check my phone until I've had at least 20 minutes to get ready for the day or go make breakfast. So I'm like thinking, like I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a professional, but I've noticed like changes that throughout the day, my phone is not revolved around my day. It's around my thoughts and my phone is a side character. Well, you know, it's a good yeah. thing you could do too. I'm glad you, you said that, that you get up. I, I actually tell a lot of my, my patients to do this, right? It's called attitude of gratitude. So when you, and basically how it works is this, like the moment you wake up when your feet hit the floor and you get out of bed and then you start brushing your teeth and get ready, during that whole time, consciously inventory in your mind everything you're grateful for, right down to the floor mm-hmm. you're standing on, right? And that really, you know, when you do that enough, it really cements you know, a lot of our, you know, emotionally and, and mentally in our minds. And it just sets, and we do that and, and do that again before we go to bed. Yeah. You know, we're now, you know, littering ourselves with positive stuff instead of, you know, negative subconscious things, you know, floating around up there. Yeah. Okay. So next, I saw an interview on Fox News that you recently did on this topic and you stated that you worry for kids surviving in the real world. I was wondering if you could expand on this. Yeah. So uh, in the lecture, I don't think I, in the one I did today, I showed this actually at the end. So I have a picture of a lion in a cage, right? And I show that because, um, you know, take for example, a lion that's born in a zoo, right? Um, and then it grows up and it's a couple years old. That lion couldn't be released into the wild. And the reason why it couldn't be released is it would not know how to survive in its natural habitat. So the natural habitat for a lion is out in the tundra, right? And it learn, learns as a baby how to hunt and, do, and survive, right? You know, that analogy is, you know, when I look at our society and the fact that, you know, our kids, according to research, are spending almost every waking second staring at a screen, which now brings them on into another habitat called the cyber world. And that's where they're living in this cyber world. My fear is when they, you know, grow up and now enter the real world, right, their natural habitat, how are they going to be able to handle that? Yeah. Also, though, maybe the real world is completely going to change, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But... Maybe virtual reality will be reality. Yeah. Which will be the destruction of mankind, by the way. Yes. And just basic human interaction, yeah. basic human development. So in Reboot, we try to focus on effective and positive ways that we can use social media instead of simply trying to eliminate it. Mm-hmm. Because we all know that cell phones and most social media platforms are not going away. So um, what suggestions do you have for teens on healthy boundaries that we can develop when using social media? Um you already answered that question because yeah. you do it yourself. In yes. the morning, I think that's that's a perfect example. Like, it, like pretty much every kid other than you, what's the first thing they do when they go up? 
immediately look at their mm-hmm. phone and see everything, right? So you delay that, right? Yeah. So you, you recognize that temptation, mm-hmm. right? And you delay it and you push it aside. So you give yourself like a delayed gratification. Little things like that, I think, is what kids need to do. They need to become conscious of it, which is something you've done, right? And recognize, okay, you know, to have a term paper due tomorrow, I got to do what you do, Zoe, and push this phone aside, mm-hmm. put it in a different zip code and stay zeroed in on the task at hand. Little things like that will go a long way. Yeah. So how can we protect our mental health in the digital age? Yeah. So I don't, you know what, I'll tell you this much, right? So you hear about protecting mental health, right? Um, and we hear, when we hear the term mental health, it's often associated as something negative, right? I always look at it as something very positive. So by being proactive with it and being proactive is what I talked about in the lecture is entering that silence, becoming mindful, even if you're not in the silence, but just like if you're driving your car, be present, take the breath of air, right? And start thinking, visualizing, you know, unearthing all that is within us, right? Our emotions and our mind. That's how we can build a robust mind by you, by being the orchestrator of our mind instead of our mind being orchestrated for us. So it really can only take place in the now, in the present moment. I was thinking about like if I'm going to write another book or not. And I was thinking mm-hmm. that the title would be Doing Joy, right? People are like, what does that mean, doing joy? So joy, as an example, is within every one of us, right? Yeah. So doing joy would be tapping in and just experiencing that and training ourselves how to just experience the pure joy. Because if there's pure joy, there can't be anything negative that can combat that. Yeah. My friends will be like, oh, I saw this TikTok. Like, this made me so happy. Like, mm-hmm. The definition of happiness and where in how we source our happiness has just changed. Well, you know, we often like you hear the term everybody's in search of happiness, right? Yeah. So there's nothing outside, billions of dollars, a yacht, whatever, doesn't make us happy. So it's the opposite. Happiness makes our outside stuff. The outside yeah. stuff doesn't make our happiness. So what do you think the best policy um, regarding phone usage, technology usage in a school would be or yeah, so for me, and this is, I'm pretty firm on this, and it's, you know, it, this is more difficult if you're a school administrator. Um, if I was in charge, let's say, I was, like, like I was talking about, like there's a, you know, a national school czar, right? And I was mm-hmm. that person. I would, and I'm not a big fan of like, you know, let's legislate the heck out of everything. Yeah. But I would make legislation where phones are, are not allowed to enter the school building, like they just did in England. Because it's just, you know, it's this idea, what if there's an emergency? It's just too much of a distraction, you know, in the pocket of the kid when they're in class. It, you know, it takes away the social interaction in the lunchroom that, that, that is so important for a kid's development. Um, and there are schools that are doing that, right? And, if, mm-hmm. and a lot of parents are going to dig their heels and they don't want to deal with it. But give it about a year if a school was to do that. And I think everybody would be like very, very pleased when they see how the test scores have gone up, the mental health yeah. has gone down and so forth. So I know at my school today is actually our no phone day, which means everyone turns in their phone for the whole day. But even this morning when I walked into school, I noticed my classmates were already like, oh, like, what am I going to do all day? Like, I'm not turning mine in and like already logging into Snapchat on their computers. And yeah, just had me thinking like my school does allow phones. I don't know. I just found it Shows you how addictive they are, you know? It's like even just you can't commit to just a yeah. single, never mind a single day, a single minute. And there's always a way around it. Like we have mm-hmm. our computers, we need them for school. And you can text on your computer, even if you don't have your phone, you can access TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, if this if parents are listening right now, um, I just talked about this in the talk, 
you know, the, what what our kids, you know, we talk about how, you know, tech and, you know, it's no good and this and that. Um, more importantly is um, is the most important thing, I think, is that we, we need the real takeaway is that parents need to step up to the plate right now and be part of their child's life, right? Yes. I talked about how parents just spend three and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversations. That means parents have to put their own devices down and we have to collect everybody in the household and we have to be a unit together. We have to get back to those basics, right? So we can't just allow like our kid to be in their own bedroom all night and not have dialogue. The relationship between parent and child is the most important thing for our kids' mental and emotional well-being. Well, thank you so much for being on the episode today. Um, I really appreciate it. Yes, yeah. thanks. Really appreciate it. All Great right, job. Thank you. As teen use of social media is on the rise, we must learn healthy ways to interact with it. I think an important aspect that Mr. Kirsty mentioned is that our thoughts become our experiences. We must be knowledgeable of influenced opinions by social media and how that changes our own character and opinions. A healthy interaction with social media calls upon you being aware of consumed content and taking time to think for yourself. Thank you again, Mr. Kirsting. Please follow us on Instagram at RebootKPS and tune in on our new Spotify platform. Thanks for tapping in and see you next month.